Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you know nothing else about New Orleans, you know we're famous for our food. A few years ago, if I asked you what makes a real New Orleans restaurant, your answer probably would have included the words gumbo, jambalaya, etouffee, or any number of other signature New Orleans dishes. Today, the question of what makes up a quintessential New Orleans restaurant is a little harder to answer. Take, for example, Margie's Grill. It's in a quaint building on a stretch of Broad Street that might euphemistically be described as comparatively inexpensive real estate. (laughs) Margie's opened in 2016, serving what its founders, Caitlin Carney and Marcus Jacobs, describe as Southeast Asian bar food and the local bounty of the Gulf South. There's nothing traditionally New Orleans about Margie's menu, and yet the restaurant feels as quintessentially New Orleans today as iconic places like Mandina's and Dini's did when they opened decades ago. Caitlin Carney is the CEO of Margie's Grill. Caitlin, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Now, one of the changes in dining habits we share with the rest of the nation is the way we decide where to eat out. Uh, Like seemingly everything else that touches our lives these days, we check online. The most influential database of restaurant information is Yelp. When you check out a local restaurant or any other kind of business on Yelp, and it has a video, most often what's called an explainer video, there's a good chance that video was produced by a local company called Nola Vid. Besides being Yelp's go-to local video production company, NolaVid produces videos for a wide range of other commercial clients, including Marriott's, Walmart, and Raisin Cane's. The owner and director of NolaVid is Max Cusimano. Max, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Peter. Now, Caitlin. Caitlin, in 2016, before you opened a restaurant, if you had done market research and asked a random sample of New Orleanians, do you want a restaurant that serves Asian street food <laughs> on a marginal block near the corner of Tulane and Broad, uh, you may have never opened Margie's Grill. Uh, the fact is, though, that you have a restaurant that is a runaway success. You've gotten national attention from the New York Times, among others, and, and Margie's Grill was named one of America's best new restaurants by the prestigious Bon Appetit magazine. In a highly competitive business, there are over 1,000 restaurants in New Orleans. I'm wondering what your success says about the current state of the New Orleans market in general. Our concept of the city and the kind of people we are is pretty strongly tied to food. So do you think you're an outlier or is Margie's an an indicator of change? I think a little bit of both. Um, I... We definitely set out to do something completely different. I think that is also because New Orleans is ready for stuff that's different. We're ready to diversify our dining scene, um, have more um, ethnic food, and just kind of get away from the real classic idea of what going out to eat in New Orleans is. Um, I also think as dining 
scenes get older, there's just a larger pool of people that were trained in the city that have different perspectives of what's going on in the food industry in the world and also in the city. And you're kind of a hybrid though, really, when you think, because you've got the Gulf right. fish. And we're that's... highly influenced by what is around us and the ingredients that are available to us. Also the atmosphere of New Orleans. I think Margie's could only have been born here because of the you know, laissez-faire attitude of the city and the fact that everybody is really looking to go out and have a good time and relax. Max, the popularity of the explainer video seems to have really exploded. You can search YouTube for pretty much anything from how to screw in a light bulb to how to use autopilot on my Tesla, and someone has made a video explaining it. We've seen online communication and social media go from text-driven to photo-driven, and now it's video-driven. As a video producer, how aware do you have to be of what's the next trend? Can you continue to focus on video, or do you have to be aware of the continuation of this trend and the possibility that the next generation of change will demand virtual reality and augmented reality? I think video is still strong for quite a few years. Cisco projects that 80% of all internet traffic by 2021 will be video content. So I don't think traditional video content is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, 3D technology, virtual reality technology, while those are strong and being worked on every day, they're not yet user friendly. Do you own a 3D TV or virtual reality, any kind of no. virtual reality headsets? Do you? Caitlin? No, no, no. I still have a black <laughs> right. and white, but go ahead. And do you, I don't see myself buying those technologies in the next few years. Uh, so I think I'm really excited about where video is today. And um, I think it's only getting stronger. And I'm, I'm just, I think it's a great time to be working in this field. But the key driver is that it works, right? It is. It's very effective. Uh, there are numerous statistics about uh, people making purchases after watching video, people staying on websites longer after watching video. Um, there's really, I mean, I don't want to bore your audience with, but there are, I have at least 15 to 20 very strong statistics that, uh, and you know, I, I don't even think people need the statistics. Uh, people are buying and purchasing video products for their companies every day. Um, and, and it, it's just a very compelling medium right now. Now, Max, you've known you wanted to do this for quite a while because the undergrad was what USC, USC. Uh, in Southern California. The uh, newer cinema and television. Did that? Did you already have the bug, and then went out there and? Yeah, before I went to USC. Yeah. Uh, so my bug actually really developed through editing. I actually really was excited about the idea of not just shooting the content, but taking it back into a dark room, and taking whatever it was. I, I really like the creative idea of that, of putting something together, almost like a collage. Uh, and I just found that really exciting. So editing was actually my entry into video production. And uh, yet you're not always doing the full package, are you? I mean, some, some people just want, I guess we call B-roll. That is true. And they want to edit. And you're fine either way? I am fine either way. It's, there's more satisfaction when you actually get to edit the content and see a produced like, product like a produced video, as opposed to just handing off the footage and then another editor in another state takes over it and, and does their thing with it. Because sometimes I don't even see the final videos. So we'll shoot the content, we'll pass it over, and I may never see it like, again. It's your baby, but you never... Exactly. So, so it's great when the company's like, will you also edit this? Because then, then we get to bring it. And that's honestly like so much happens in editing. 
Um, as I'm sure you know with, with That's radio. That's how this show sounds pretty good. There's, uh, they, uh, now, Caitlin, you know, I, I guess in the beginning it sounded as if you came out of nowhere with this idea, but you were at, uh, let's see, Herb Saint and Mondo and... Uh, yes. Uh, so you're there working for somebody else, and this is the great entrepreneur question. What made you just kind of wake up one morning and say, I could do this on my own? Um, it was meeting Marcus. Marcus and I met at Herb Saint. He was the executive Sue and I was in the front of the house and we just bonded over our love of Asian culture and food and started cooking this food that like was just a kind of mashup of like barbecue and all of uh, the flavors it's hard and to explain. sauces from... Yeah, it is. And it was really hard for us to explain at the beginning, which was part of the difficulty of coming up with a concept because you really need to be able to explain yourself in like three or four words or else people are bored. And I've I've taken uh, several people to your restaurant. And of course, they they wonder where you're taking them. You know, and it's uh, it's it's the best part. It's like, what's going on over here? It's a converted house, right? So originally, from my understanding, is it was a barbershop. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it grew into a restaurant. It was a um, Honduran restaurant before we were there. It was closed for like three years. Um, and Marcus and I started doing pop-ups, which is impossible is, to make any money at. Is, but is <laughs> that, I, I was going to ask you about it. Why do you do the pop-ups? I mean, people have told uh, so me it's tough to make money. Them, because we were toying with the idea of opening a restaurant and we wanted to make sure that our food was good Good and we wanted to to make sure people were going to like it and so yeah and so we did that for a couple years while we were building a business plan and kind of thinking about where we were going to be what was the restaurant going to look like Um, and then we started traveling in Southeast Asia which really kind of that helped us like focus our concept. So you didn't just read a book it. about South Asian street food. No, you went to the we streets. We weren't going to do that. We're There's too like this is a major passion project, and I think that the passion lies in bringing this feeling and this food that we love so much, and to the city that we love so much, and having it just kind of marry. And I think when I Max, I have to ask you this question: Being you know a small shop. Uh, you must get, I think the toughest thing for me, just thinking it through, would be sometimes you get a bunch of business and sometimes you don't have as much. What do you do when you get overloaded? I Well, that's actually a really something I'm struggling with right now is ex- expanding and how big do I want to get? Do I want to become a company? And that's, that's something I struggle with. And Ryan and I, my PR guy, talk about it a lot is um, I'm, I'm kind of at the limit of what I can do on my own. And there's no slow moments anymore. There were three or four years ago. Um, so it's pretty constant now. And so how do you, I, I don't know if you've talked to a lot of business people and maybe you could offer me some advice, but I don't know. Do you become a big company or do you just stay small? Isn't, because isn't maybe people question. are hiring me because they want me. And so yeah. at and the end of the day. And if you're happy being small, you know what they say, if you're happy and you know it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I have no complaints right now. And so. I just don't want to get to the point where uh, I'm too busy that my clients get upset with me because I'm not turning things around quickly enough. And so I just have to make that decision is do I hire more people or do I just, you know, stop taking work? I got to ask you because I, I, when I, I see these videos, 
I, mean, I know my own attention span. How long is a person's attention span? What do you, what do you, what are you trying to make there? I think attention spans, as we all know, have shrunk dramatically, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, much to uh, older generations' chagrin. Uh, I try to keep videos under 30 seconds now. A couple years ago, it was a minute. Um, and honestly, we're doing 15-second spots right now for some, like, a beat of brewing, uh, you know, some, some pretty cool brands. And people are not going to watch ads for very long, so you have to hook them very quickly. People want to know what Betsy and Joe are doing this weekend right. when they're scrolling through Facebook. So you better create some like really compelling content and you better do it quickly. Well, Caitlin, you uh, had experience in the restaurant business, but the other half, I have to ask you, had you ever run a business or taken an accounting class? I went class to art school. Art school, that is, <laughs> that's good. The interview's going so well so far. <laughs> I ended up at a restaurant. <laughs> um, I, I studied graphic design in school and then moved down here and was kind of burnout. So I, started working for Susan Spicer at Mondo and then Donald Link at Herb Saint and no, I have no experience in it but 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 how are you holding on? I mean I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> you were just talking about with growing, we're at the exact same place. It's like you just keep putting more and more on yourself, but you have to figure out how to expand and make it harmonious and make sense and then, you know, the more and more business we do and the bigger we get the more expensive everything gets so it's like where's the margin that is expansion for you another restaurant um, Margie's too <laughs> on veterans <laughs> Ooh, I didn't even think about oh, veterans oh, no, no. you think Metairie's ready for us I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> really bad neighborhood in Metairie maybe there's uh, they, uh, <laughs> um, I think expansion means a lot of different things when you own a restaurant um, I think that in, an, in Margie's itself, it can expand. Um, I think we definitely would love to have another concept out there because um, we're creative people, and that's the hardest part is to rein in your creativity and, like, focus on the business. Um, and then, yeah, so I think it means a lot of different things. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> right, and I do have to ask you, the, the, you... Um, you know, you got the New York Times cover really early on. You got yes. the, in the Bon Appetit. Did you know they were there? Did you know they were looking at no, you? No, both of those we didn't know. Were they, so like mystery shoppers? Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> I've always wondered about this. Yeah, we actually. They just dressed had, as a bail bondsman and you didn't know? You just thought well, now dope? I feel like we pretty much know every time there's a reporter or something in. But at that point, <laughs> we had no idea. And I mean, we were just trying to keep our heads above water. So it's not a surprise that we didn't recognize somebody. Did they bring a notebook? <laughs> little things like that? Sometimes they do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, now it's the age of Instagram. So oh, you find right. out after the fact because they posted something about you on Instagram. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Max Cusimano from Video Production company Nola Vid and Caitlin Carney from the restaurant Margie's Grill. We'll be right back after this very brief break. I'm talking with Caitlin Carney from the restaurant Margie's Grill and Max 
Cusimano from the video production company Nola Vid. Max and Caitlin, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You've gotten to the end of a long day, and you're finally heading home when your phone rings and it's your brother-in-law. Usually he only calls when he wants to go to Costco with you so he can use your account, but this time it's different. This time your brother-in-law has a business idea for you. And I'll start with Caitlin. Your brother-in-law says, think about how successful you've been opening a restaurant selling Southeast Asian food in a city under a million New Orleanians. Now, think about if you flip the script. What if you opened a restaurant selling New Orleans food to millions and millions of Southeast Asians? Your brother-in-law says he's prepared to quit his job at Panera Bread and go over to Vietnam, Laos, and Thailand and do some market research for you. All you have to do is pay his airfare and a few expenses. What do you think? Is your brother-in-law get a halfway good idea here? No. No. All right. They, uh, <laughs> and you, let's just face it, you never liked him anyway. So there's a... Although I would like a live feed of him in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> so you think this one That's way... That's why I'll pay the airfare. <laughs> This one-way uh, trade is working out better. Their yeah. their food over here. That is great. I hope we still have trade. So we'll see how this how this goes. Max, your brother-in-law, he has a great idea for you. He says there's a lot of businesses you're never going to get as a professional video producer because everyone with a phone thinks they can shoot video. So how about you shoot an explainer video about how to make an explainer video? You could tell people a few basic tricks about lighting and the way to get your phone set up so you get the best results. And here's the kicker. You charge 99 cents to get access to your video. If nobody buys it, what have you lost? But if it's popular, you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars. And your brother-in-law only wants a thousand bucks for coming up with the idea. What do you think? Is the explainer video, explainer video, a thousand dollar idea or what? I, I actually think it's not a terrible idea. Um... I would not recommend shooting anything on your iPhone, but an explainer video about how Tim to make Cook a video production with a slightly it. better camera uh, and some good audio, or an explainer video for other video production professionals who are just getting started, maybe a million dollar idea. Uh, so yeah, there, there could be, creating your own content could be something that, that could be very lucrative uh, in, in terms of, yes, explainer videos are powerful in any medium. And I'm not your brother-in-law, but I have an idea for you. You know, all these public companies need to, they have a link for investors so investors can see what they do, and none of them have video. Hmm. So. And you know all these guys, right, I Peter? do, yeah. Yes. And it's, um. What do you want, 10%? No, 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 no. Maybe the, if you pay for <laughs> the bread pudding, something like that. Yeah. That'll be a. Deal. Y'all all heard this. Uh, <laughs> he just wants bread pudding. That's all. It's very little, right, really. And Put me on an email with him. <laughs> now, Caitlin. How do you sell a new restaurant to New Orleanians, particularly in, a, in such a crowded market? Um, our, I mean, the most, our major tool has been Instagram. Um, we have a lot, we have like 10,000 followers and we put up, we change our menu every single day, which is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we have specials every single day and we put things up on Instagram and people will call in for to go or come in just because they saw it. So it just keeps us relevant. I think that that's the hardest part is staying relevant when there's constantly just new restaurants opening and closing. And then there's always the big shots that are always going to be there. And so how do you stay relevant? How do you make a name for yourself? I mean, we were nobody when we opened up Margie's and we were opening up on a weird 
Strip by the way, your Broad name Street. is not Margie. So why That's did you? That's my mother's name. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I can, you know, I can. I do business, so I catch yeah, up on yeah, these yeah. things really, really quick. You know what I'd like to ask you about is you own companies where basically it's you. I mean, for the for the most matter. And if at some point you might want to get out at some point, so can you sell your companies? Yeah. And what would you say? What would you be I selling? I don't know if anyone wants to buy more cheese. <laughs> it's uh, it's no, a lot I of work. It's, it's uh, what do you would you sell your client? Your clientele, I, your I, well, I, I'm not interested in doing that right okay, now. Okay, all right, all right. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that you could do is create a transition, where wherein oh, you it makes sense. Wherein you have people doing the shooting for you, and you are connecting your clients with those people, and so, and and then that transition could be gradual. Um, right. That's not something that I intend on doing anytime no. soon. No, I'm not. Uh, but I do think that uh, yes, at some point it it could be sold. And Caitlin, you are in, oh, well, you, people probably told you this, but the area where more businesses fail than any other. In fact, banks... Challenge accepted. Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, if you looked at a list of things banks would fund, it would be right at the bottom. So. Uh, well, the building was so cheap that they couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good question. You do own the building. Yes. Oh, that was see, part that's... of the point. So if we were to sell something, we would sell our building that we wheeled and dealed for so I got another problem for you is uh which you've probably figured out is you don't how how could you get time off that is one thing we're trying to figure out right now um it's all about staff and staff is very very hard but we have a really good crew and it just have to train them and trust them and like we were talking about growing it's how all of a sudden you need more staff like this amount of staff worked before and I was able to have time off but now you know going on three weeks of not having a night off it's like oh I guess I have to hire more people because it just gets busier and busier and I think New Orleans as a whole is just getting busier and busier and people are moving here and tourism is higher than ever so it's a juggling act Because you have to go back to Southeast Asia every once in a while to. We are going to Vietnam a, at the end of the summer. Okay, just to weather. figure out what street food is. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, uh, we have to stay inspired. If it's snowballs, it'd be like, is oh, there food Lord. evolving, like as much as. Um. Well, you always find new things. I think it is evolving. Um, I also like. I mean, we haven't gotten to every corner of every city that we want to. Literally so. corners, because you're looking yes. for street food. That's uh, tiny, tiny chairs. <laughs> <laughs> So, you said you change your menu every day. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's that's remarkable. Uh, do you ever? Yes, it is. <laughs> do, do you? And and what drives that? A and then B. Do you ever feel like if you you're going to run out of options, or that you're going to need to do something different in order to like go deeper into that creativity and grow? Or Caitlin, how about the other side? Uh, last time I was here, I had this. It was terrific. I noticed it's not on the menu I anymore. I think that people have. That was an issue for a while, and I think that people have gotten past that because they trust us. Um, we are ingredient-driven, so we have relationships with farmers and fishermen, and um, the ingredients are what are going to drive the menu for the day um, because we're small and we everything is so fresh. You know, we had 40 chickens from our chicken guy, and we sold through them. So now we're gonna sell lamb leg from the guys that we get lamb from. Or like Marcus went to the market and found that these mushrooms are all of a sudden in season. 
well, we're not going to skip on that. We want to put that on the menu for everyone. Flavor-wise, it's always kind of like it's the same, and that's why people trust us to change the menu every day. But we just were inspired by what's around us. Um, so that's why the dishes are going to constantly be changing. That's cool. And that could be applied to any medium. Yeah, absolutely. And oh. I think that... Food. This is great. Is, uh, I told you there was food. Margie had, <laughs> Margie had no faith in this at all. But this is great food. Thanks. Hey, Max, you would mentioned you did uh, some work like in, with conventions. That yes. must be it. Um, do you go out and try to find them? In other words, you, you know, this list you can get that, oh, it's about a year in advance when they're going to be coming. And do you, do you market that or you just kind of wait to see if they come so I'm aware of this list and one of my goals is to actually have the time to be able to call people on that list um, <laughs> <It's hard. laughs> and we keep getting back to this same theme that you know being as small as we are um, you know and, and being busy um, we either have to hire people to go pursue those lists because we have we have business coming to us and so we're not actually seeking business right now I, is, is what I'm getting from you as well and so I think that if things ever got slow, then I would be going after that list or I would have to hire someone to go after that list and then hire some more shooters to go shoot that list. And so do I want to grow and become a a company that's going after that business? Um, But the convention stuff that we're shooting right now is coming to us. Um, And those are people who are directing, like contacting us directly. What an interesting position you're in. It's very clear you could get bigger. Right. But the question is really, do you want to? Right. And what will the sacrifices be? I have two kids now. Uh, you know, you know, this is also a reason I didn't really go into what a lot of my fellow graduates at USC film school went into, which was TV and film production. And I know you, you've interviewed, I've listened to some of your shows with TV and film guys. Those guys work what? 18 hour days, right? 20 hour days. How do you have a family? How do you go home at night and hug your daughters? You know, I have two. If it's a lot of hugging, it's a lot of hugging. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you go home and do that if you're working till 11 o'clock at night and then getting up at 4 a.m. to go back to the set? And And so what I like about what we're doing is it's it's almost a nine to five. You know, there's nights, there's weeknights where I work late. I mean, I was shooting on Frenchman Street last night, but that happens once a week as opposed to every night. Max and Caitlin, there is an old saying in retail. Nobody ever regretted buying quality. That was typically used as a closing statement and a sales pitch to get a customer in a shop to spend a little more on a better product than they might have been intending to purchase. But today, with the massive amount of choice we have in every aspect of our lives, the flight to quality takes on really a whole new meaning. As a customer, demanding quality in a product doesn't have to cost more, but as a restaurateur or a video producer, maintaining quality in the face of competitive options requires a lot of dedication. In both of your cases, Caitlin and Max, that dedication is, in both of your cases, Caitlin and Max, that dedication to quality is paying off. Congratulations on everything you've achieved. We look forward to keeping up with your continued success. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us, Peter. Appreciate it. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Caitlin Carney, CEO of Margie's Grill, and Max Cusimano, owner and director of Nola Vid. You can find out more about Caitlin's restaurant and Max's video productions by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. 
You can listen to this show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com, on It's New Orleans Facebook page, and on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Rashidi. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 